0: This episode is not suitable for children to listen to or overhear. It may contain coarse language, adults' themes and graphic descriptions. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners are advised that the following program may contain the names of people who have died. A perfect storm. The true story of the Chamberlains.
1: I think Azaria would have lasted a matter of... Minutes. There were certain people within the Northern Territory Police who were determined to get her.
0: People were saying to me, oh, you're going there to see that woman who killed a child.
1: Bad things happen to good people.
0: Episode 12, Death by Dingo.
2: Hello, I'm John Buck. I've just finished reading research that starts with this paragraph. I know of nowhere in the world where there is a judicial system in which miscarriages of justice never occur. Recent history in Australia and the United Kingdom vividly illustrates the serious imperfections of what are generally regarded as reasonably good judicial systems. The author is clear, no system is perfect and you don't see the shortcomings in a system until someone, like Lindy Chamberlain, makes you see them. Now, I'll tell you who the author of that passage is later. But for now, let's return to 1987. Today,
1: ...telling him we not agree, pointing out the authorities and asking for a We should
2: be at on. the end of the Chamberlain's story. Lindy is out of jail, the government has the findings of a royal commission and the evidence that convicted the Chamberlains has been disproven. However, Justice Morling had left enough doubt in his summary to encourage those who never believed Lindy Chamberlain to persist with their actions. There was no provision in the Northern Territory Criminal Code to supply a regular path to an inquiry into guilt following conviction, distinct from the appeal process. Steve Hatton's government moved to the edge of its legal powers and pardoned Michael and Lindy.
1: Well, our legal advice is that what we did was the appropriate course of action. It's consistent with uh, actions being taken in similar situations elsewhere in Australia and overseas, uh,
2: any other consideration would be a matter for legal advice. So how do you see the difference between uh, a pardon, which you have, and the convictions being quashed? Is there a a great deal of difference, in your opinion? There's
3: an ocean of difference between those two. One, uh, to quash a conviction means it was wrong, it should never have been, and it was not so in the first place. To get a pardon means you did what they said you did, and you've been a good little girl, you've been a good little boy, so now you can go out and play. And that's ridiculous.
0: At a heated news conference, Attorney General Darrell Manzi rejected suggestions that the report
2: warranted a quash... Felicity Moffat is a Walkley award winning journalist and former senior reporter specializing in legal affairs for the Seven right.
4: Network. I spoke to law.
2: her about the Chamberlain's case as it veered into the absurd
4: it's it's an it's a really strange decision, and I guess these days you would probably see see it unfold very differently, where you could expect that after that royal commission uh, Trevor Morling was going to find what he did find, and you would be prepared to say, Look, you know we we don't just pardon you but we're going to take steps to move to formally quash these convictions. So I don't know. I, I guess um, there was a view that they wanted you know not to cave in and give in. Um, but far as a lot of people were concerned, uh, you know the Morling report had had set the path and and appropriate action should have been taken um, to demonstrate to the chamberlains that. Uh, Redress would occur in uh, to the full extent. I think, you know, maybe they thought a pardon was
2: enough. The government, rightly, with respect, considered that such a step would be an unwarranted intrusion by the legislature into the domain of the judiciary. Of course, as you'd expect, Stuart Tipple didn't let Darryl Mansey or the government think the matter was resolved.
1: What a pardon does is just relieve the Chamberlains from the consequences of the conviction. So we've written today telling him we don't agree, pointing out the authorities, and asking for a special act of parliament to be passed.
2: And Michael Chamberlain also spoke to the stalemate that he was in the middle of.
1: It's absolutely essential to us as it is to our children that we, our names are cleared and that we are exonerated and that there's no more time or money spent on this disastrous case.
2: Eventually, the law was changed. Section 433A was added to the Northern Territory Criminal Code. Where a person has been convicted of a crime or an indictable offence, the Attorney General may, at the request of the convicted person, refer the case to the court to consider or again consider whether the conviction should be quashed and a judgment and verdict of acquittal entered. But as Stuart Tipple was about to discover, the government may have changed the law, but it had not changed its mind.
1: I was so delighted when, after putting the pressure on the, the government, they did actually enact special legislation that allowed us to go back before an appeal court and to get um, the uh, acquittal which reinstated the Chamberlain's presumption of innocence. That, that's what I wanted. But we expected that when we went to the court that uh, it would be a, a done deal, that the Northern Territory would have learned and that we would have just handed up consent orders. But we got the shock of our lives when uh, the council for the Northern Territory uh, stood up and uh, opposed our application and said, there really needs to be a rehearing because effectively the commissioner is one person and we really need to revisit uh, all of this, this evidence again.
2: Malcolm Brown, the veteran print journalist who covered the Chamberlain case from day one, shares his thoughts. The Crown opposed it. Sir Michael Adams opposed it. And I wonder why on earth.
1: I asked one of the lawyers, the Crown lawyers up there, why they're opposing it. He said, oh well it's it's just
2: the opinion of one tribunal. Another tribunal could have made another decision. Well what the hell is that all about? You could say anyone convicted so it was only one tribunal.
1: Well, fortunately, the court gave him short shrift and uh, they uh, decided that they could very well rely on uh, Morling's report and that's what they did.
2: On September 15, 1988, Judges Ash, Nader and Kearney quashed the Chamberlain's convictions and entered verdicts of acquittal. Ash referred to Justice Morling's work, which had, quote, "...obviously been conducted fairly in accordance with the rules of natural justice." and the Commissioner is a judge of the Federal Court with a high, and if I may say so with respect, eminently deserved reputation. It is therefore only sensible to give great weight to the findings and conclusions of the Commission. Unquote.
0: Michael Chamberlain closed his eyes, looked at the ceiling and began to weep. His wife, who'd sat rigid with tension, also dissolved into tears as she hugged her lawyers.
4: And, of course, today all of that would have been um, telecast. There would have been cameras in the court and everybody would have seen it and then, you know, possibly also seen their, their, you know, emotion inside the court. But that was all kept from the public and only those that was in the court uh, saw that. So um, when they came out and walked once again through the media pack. Uh, and said nothing but Michael held up that victory signal Um, and we were sort of thinking well something you know huge has happened and this is their moment Um, what are they going to say and then when they said nothing and felt no press conference and just walked to the car
0: please say something Michael how do you feel
4: I was always thinking how awful it must have been for them to go back inside that same court building where they had endured so much misery, you know, and the, and so much scrutiny and how appalling it must have been to even come back to Darwin um, and be there and, you know, separated from their kids and all of that. And so... That's why I said at the start of that story they came back, you know, to the Supreme Court. And then I thought after, you know, as they were leaving, how glad they must have been to get the hell out of the place, you know. And if it had been me, I never would have gone back to the Northern Territory. I just thought, and I wondered what would happen. So we agreed that the crew would go out to the airport and just get that moment of them leaving the Territory finally you know, cleared and uh, well on the way to, you know, achieving some of their objectives. And that's when Lindy was ascending the steps of the Ansett aircraft and threw up the victory signal. And while they hadn't spoken outside the court, that just said it, you know, we're, we're on our way home and... It was such an important moment for them
0: after a long and bitter fight for justice lindy chamberlain at last was leaving darwin acknowledged as an innocent woman in the eyes of the law it was clearly a sweet victory Felicity Monfort,
2: seven. one of the judges who exonerated the chamberlains in 1988 was john nader qc nader was the author of that paragraph i started the show with i know of nowhere in the world where there is a judicial system in which miscarriages of justice never occur and he also wrote we must constantly strive to make our own system progressively less prone to miscarriages of justice nader also addressed something which i could not understand as i got to this part of the story what was the hold up who was stalling why were they stalling nader wrote years later The Chamberlain case shows that there must be a regular mechanism for bringing the matter to the notice of the Supreme Court. It is not enough to be able to petition the executive. If a case has or has taken on political overtones, the judgment of the executive may be clouded by bias. There you have it. Bias, that's what the problem was. And sadly, bias did not go away. With their convictions quashed, the Chamberlains let Stuart Tipple address the media.
1: The Chamberlains are very grateful to finally have their names cleared. They'd like me to publicly thank all of those decent and fair-minded people who supported them and made today possible.
2: As Tipple had predicted, the media would always be interested in the Chamberlain's story if there was a new angle. And that new angle was a matter of compensation
1: The real tragedy is that the victory doesn't by itself compensate them for what they've suffered. It goes without saying that they should be compensated. And in that respect, the buck firmly stops with the Northern Territory government.
2: You'd think that it was going to be hard for the Northern Territory government to deny compensation from this point. So let me share with you the fact that the Northern Territory Chief Minister, Steve Hatton, told local newspapers that... He never bought Mrs Chamberlain's story of a baby snatching dingo, but he didn't believe she should have gone to jail for murder either. So, of course, nothing happened with compensation. It was all about politics, and the politics of the Chamberlain case peaked when the Australian Prime Minister Bob Hawke spoke to reporters. Hawke was not only the most senior political figure in the Australian democracy... He was perhaps the country's most astute judge of public opinion in the post-war period.
1: It's quite clear that in the light of uh, the uh, Mauling findings, um, that uh, it's going to be, have to be a very significant consideration paid to how you meet uh, not merely the costs but the suffering of
4: China.
2: Chamberlain. <laughs> Over the next few years, Azaria Chamberlain's family were never far from the headlines. The motion picture Evil Angels, A Cry in the Dark, with Meryl Streep and Sam Neill, was released to an already polarised nation. Then the Chamberlains separated and divorced. Kalia chose to live with Michael, Regan stayed with Lindy, while Aidan divided his time between the two homes. Lindy met Rick Creighton during a speaking tour of the USA and they soon married. And then finally, the Northern Territory Government decided to pay compensation. Three years after the Chamberlains left the Supreme Court. 12 years after their daughter's death. Bob Collins spoke to the facts and what was obvious to all.
1: It's not as much as the Chamberlains wanted it's exactly 1.3 million dollars more than the northern territory government wanted to pay
4: making it sound like it was an awful lot of money which it probably was in those days and to think that in the end it amounted to 1.3 you know i look back on that now and think you know gosh after everything they had been through you know what could possibly compensate them for what the horrors that they had been through and why didn't that happen, you know, rapidly and and efficiently and without argument? I don't
2: know. When it comes to the matter of compensation, what's your reaction to Mr Everingham's comments today that you have done well uh, in your dealings with the media financially and therefore compensation is something you probably don't need? I, th- I think Paul Everingham's comments are about as accurate as some of the forensic scientists in the trial. He just doesn't know and I think what he's said has been really quite unwarranted
1: and very sad. I wish he'd get his facts straight.
4: You know, I think when you go back to those days, there was still, and there was then, and there still is now to a degree, you know, this intransigent view that, oh well, you know, no sympathy for the Chamberlains, um, still think they might have done it, um, and, you know, just a hardline attitude like that, that had been taken for so long and it was so difficult to you know,
2: apart from. We need to take a quick break and we'll return to a perfect storm in just a moment. At almost every juncture of the Chamberlain's public life, Lindy and Michael had spoken with Seven's current affairs host, Terry Willisey. Well, there have been extremely traumatic times. No-one can deny that for a second, no matter what they think of your innocence or guilt. But what have been? If there have been any highlights of this saga... What have they been?
3: Bill, the first one, um, it was a real highlight, was, was getting bail and getting Carlia back. I had just been refused any visits for 12 months because I was so dangerous. I could not have my daughter visit me on a patrolled visit with family, with warders. I was too dangerous for that. And why, yet... were
2: you, why were you dangerous? Why were you considered oh, well, I, dangerous? I was,
3: I've been convicted of murder. I was a really bad person, you see. You can't do this. You can't put another child at risk. But then I got bail and was sent home with my child despite that. And that was a major answer to prayer and a major highlight. And it was just... The feeling was just unbelievable. And that was that was a real high, and the rest of the family was waiting for me. They'd come up to see their little sister, take her home, and give the, the boys a visit with mum whom they hadn't seen for three months, and they ended up taking a lot of us home.
2: Well, just, you mentioned uh, an answer to prayers. How powerful do you think prayer is?
3: All powerful.
2: Can you give us an example of results you've seen?
3: There have been times when I have been absolutely desperate and not knowing which way to turn. And I've, I've thought that I would crack up if I didn't get some help, some support, something give, somewhere about something. And I prayed about it and I had an incredible sense of peace. Just don't worry about it, something is being done. And I did not know what it was, how it was happening. It took Stuart two days to get through to me and when he finally got through he said, oh look I've been trying a couple of days but at such and such time there there was an Innocence Committee was formed with legal people and people with respected positions. And, and that coincided too with you. It was the time, the hour, everything.
2: As the years rolled on, there was another coroner's inquiry which resolved nothing. In August 2010, 30 years after Azaria's disappearance, Lindy Chamberlain released a letter to open-minded Australians. In it, she wrote, quote, Their own commission proved it was not me, as I had told them all along. Please do not forget that a beautiful little girl died tragically on this date 30 years ago, Unquote. Within hours, the Northern Territory Attorney General, Delia Laurie, said she had asked the Northern Territory Registrar of Births, Deaths and Marriages to determine if the cause of death is accurate. In late 2011, Coroner Elizabeth Morris announced that she had determined to reopen the inquest into the death of Azaria Chamberlain.
1: And this was the first time that uh, a lady had been involved in any judicial capacity. And from the moment I walked into uh, her court, I realised that there's a whole new atmosphere here. Here's a lady who's compassionate and really wanted to get to the truth. And so the first hearing was adjourned, so they could make some other lines of inquiry. And uh, when we came back in June, uh, they'd done their homework, they'd been able to verify that there were something like 230 dingo attacks um, and even a death since the the, uh, Chamberlain trial. the media were there and the courtroom was was packed, uh, Aiden actually contacted me and said, is it worth me coming? And I said, I, I think so. Um, and so he, at the last minute, made arrangements and, and he was there to support his mum. And Michael, of course, was there. Uh, Lindy was there with her husband.
2: Coroner Morris was ready. Having considered
5: all of the evidence, including evidence gathered...
2: Much like Dennis Barrett, she decided to let a single video camera into the Northern Territory Magistrates' Court. Lindy and husband Rick Creighton sat alongside Michael Chamberlain, along with son Aidan and his wife Amber. Malcolm Brown was there, of course, as was Stuart Tipple and Rex Wild QC.
1: And it was just one of those moments you'll, you'll never, ever forget. Uh, The uh, judgment and finding read out by Elizabeth Morris was compelling. Uh, It was so compassionate.
5: In considering now all of the evidence, I am satisfied that the evidence is sufficiently adequate, clear, cogent and exact, and that the evidence excludes all other reasonable possibilities. To find that what occurred on the 17th of August 1980 was that shortly after Mrs Chamberlain placed Azaria in the tent, a dingo or dingoes entered the tent, took Azaria and carried and dragged her from the immediate area.
1: And she made the point that whatever her finding was, she couldn't replace Azaria. And I think when when she started saying that, she, she actually broke down.
5: Mrs Chamberlain Crichton, Mr Chamberlain, Aidan, and your extended families, please accept my sincere sympathy on the death of your special and loved daughter and sister, Azaria. I'm so sorry for your loss. Time does not remove the pain and sadness of the death of a child.
1: And I looked around and I was crying. I don't think there was a dry eye in the court. And it was just sort of one of those serendipitous moments that you think, well, this has been a
2: worthwhile journey. Lindy spoke outside to the waiting media.
3: I wasn't going to cry, but I think Aidan started me off. (laughs) And obviously, um, we're relieved and delighted to come to the end of this saga.
5: This has been a terrifying battle. Bitter at times but now some healing and a chance to put our
1: daughter's spirit to rest.
2: What have we learned on this disturbing journey as I've documented the death of Azaria Chamberlain and its consequences? Coroner Dennis Barrett's findings still ring true. Forensic evidence must be accurate or problems follow. Retired journalist David Jones.
1: I think something that came out of the Azaria Chamberlain case is that forensic science is not godlike. That forensic science um, can obviously be wrong. And that I suppose the the lesson for Australia as a whole, for all of us as Australians, is to to keep an open mind and don't um, be swayed by you know, forensic science, which needs to be, you know, subject to the
2: closest possible scrutiny. Linda Scott has no doubts.
0: So I definitely think this could happen again. Um, somebody a little bit unusual is viewed differently from from a mainstream person. If somebody doesn't cry when they're expected to cry, yeah, you you see it all the time now. It could totally happen again. I, I don't know what you do about it. I think you have to have juries. You couldn't just have one person judging something uh, but but I don't know how you get the right juries I don't know how you get them to be to eradicate everything they've read in the papers or now if, look with Facebook now imagine Lindy Chamberlain today um, there would be all those haters on Facebook it would just be out of control It would be a million times worse and so I think when the next Lindy Chamberlain comes along it's all going to happen again it's going to be another train wreck
2: And let's not forget Stuart Tibble's experience with Lindy and Michael Chamberlain underneath the courtroom after they were found guilty.
1: And we get down there and Michael turns to me and he just says, so this is British justice for you. And although that's many years ago, I'm still haunted by that. And it's something I keep hearing in my head. And it's one of the things that has kept me determined to try and improve the the system uh, because the system failed, the system let us down. And I've got absolutely no doubt it's let other people down and it will continue to do so.
2: Coroner Barrett made another key finding. Wild animals and tourists do not mix. The late Derek Roth, a veteran of Kenyan wildlife parks and 18 years in the Australian outback, warned his bosses. Uh, And we were gonna shoot a number of dingoes discreetly, but nevertheless, we were gonna shoot them. Well, I was knocked back. Um, I I didn't get the bullets and what have you, and a fortnight later, Azaria disappeared. And the very people whose lives were ruined by that decision held no grudges a matter of weeks after their daughter's death. Lindy Chamberlain.
3: It's not that we've got anything against dingoes even now. They're very beautiful dogs and they have their right to their natural habits, but man is spoiling this. Man has tampered with the dogs in that area.
2: Have we heeded the warnings from Roth, Barrett and Lindy Chamberlain? I asked Professor Bill Ballard, one of Australia's leading dingo experts. For mine,
1: what I would like to see come out of something like this is saying, how can we use that to improve the way we look at the dingo now and to actually make this less likely to happen in the future? Because I see this happening in Fraser Island. If, if people don't sort of say, this has happened before, Surely we've got to learn something, surely we've got to be smarter than we're currently being or it's just going to happen again. And then they're going to say, my God, this has happened. And like the park rangers saying, you know, this is going to happen, we're in the same position right here, right now, that it's going to happen again if we're not careful
3: right past him to get to the baby and taken the baby out it was, a, it was empty there was nothing there and I called my husband straight away I came straight out of the tent and called him at the door that the dingo had taken the baby and chased it. I could still see it I chased it into the into the bush and followed it I realised it was no good and as soon as I, I called out to my husband the dingo's got my baby. I am running. He ran ran straight up into the bush, but he never stopped to get a torch and realised it was dark.
2: Even though you may only know the words, a dingo's got my baby, from a news report in the 80s or a TV show in the 90s, there's a reason why we can still learn from it as we enter a new year, another new decade. This perfect storm impacted so many lives around. And beyond again, the airs rock campsite, at the time. The seas, some lives okay, were destroyed, while the careers of others blossomed. You've had certain tests being done on the, the knife, you? Some turned to alcohol, while others lent on their faith. Some attempted suicide, while others turned to silence for their salvation. There's something I never expected to happen with this project, but I'd like to share it now. This podcast is by and large about two women, Lindy and Azaria Chamberlain, and the Perfect Storm production was supported primarily by women throughout. From my sister in Perth to the professional archive team in Darwin, my work colleagues from Perth to Sydney, and so many in between. It should come as no surprise then That the series has resonated across the world with women so let's hear from sally shaw one more time
6: years later after it had all been cut and dried lindy was released from jail um, and i was with her in sydney we just were going to spend the day together and it was horrendous i would have punched everybody's lights out like people around her, then years later when she's it's all been overturned and people are still saying really nasty things about it. Really, really nasty things. And I couldn't cope, but she was just you know somehow just sailing through and 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 with dignity and I was ready to punch the lights out. I just thought this is wrong, you know so and so. So it's The prejudice, once started, seems to be there. Yeah, you you just, a few people have apologised to me, saying that, you know, I'm, you know, I just want you to know that I thought this and and I was wrong and and they've apologised. And that was really lovely and big of them to do that. Um, But on the whole, the people that were really, Prejudice are never going to accept, um, yeah, the truth, you're right, because it's just ingrained.
2: You know by now that this can all happen again, unless the law is changed. If you feel angry about what happened, and I was, do your best to force that change, and perhaps do what I'm doing go to www.gg.gov.au and follow the links to the Australian Honours and Awards. I think Lindy Chamberlain and Stuart Tipple should be awarded for believing in the truth. My thanks to Nikki, Simon and Stephen for helping me create the whole series and a shout out to Lynn Penament and Tan Kuei. And thanks to you for listening and your support.